0: This week, as promised in our last episode, we're going to talk about this medium of radio that some people are saying is already on the verge of extinction. Uh, When I was your student at the Newhouse School of Public Communications in Syracuse, I took a course with you that was called radio production. And uh, that course was really one of the most fun courses that... uh, I've ever taken, you know, in in, in the years that I studied at different universities. So, but now you do not teach that course, right? Because it's not uh, under your name on the website of the university. Uh, Am I right? Mm -hmm.
1: So, yes and no. First of all, thank you. Uh, you were in the very first class, and that was a course that was developed, if we think back to our conversation last week about teaching and teachers and relationships, that was a course that was developed with a graduate student um, in your year, and who approached me and said, you know, can we do something that's more creative with radio beyond just journalistic reporting, because that's done very well at Newhouse in a number of departments, So, um, I think, what a great idea, and responded. So, you were a guinea pig, in a way, of what we could do. And so, I've taught the course ever since, but I noticed that fewer and fewer people were signing up for it. And part of it was the dreaded R word, radio. And so, I think for many students, they think of their grandmother with a transistor radio, you know, listening to old-style storytelling. So what I did was change the title of the course to Audio Storytelling, and the numbers went right back up. So what's in a name? Apparently everything. And uh, the course did not change one bit apart from the title. It's still about sound, rich storytelling, writing for the ear, and looking at the medium from a creative standpoint of storytelling, and not just information delivery for advertising or for news reporting. So... Radio, despite all of the rumors, is alive and well and is as vibrant as ever. Only now it's called podcasting. And really, the difference is just in the platform and method of delivery. But television didn't kill radio. Cable television didn't kill radio. Podcasting is just the next iteration. And whether you listen live over the radio or you're listening on your phone, it's still audio storytelling.
0: So you yourself um, did quite a bit of work for different radio stations all over the world. Um, so apart from interviews, of course, I know that you, you are interviewed a lot by different um, radio journalists, but apart from that, and you interview also people too, uh, but apart from that, what other kind of work you did and, and for whom?
1: Well, it was a great question because, you know, I have been privileged to be interviewed and been on on radio, and I love it. Uh, It wasn't necessarily a career goal, but certain doors opened for me, and they were mostly in Europe. And I can point specifically to two people who really gave me entree into a world of sound art through the medium of radio as a creative platform. The first was through uh, Westdeutscher Rundfunk in Cologne, um, a VDR, and a man named Klaus Schöning. And Klaus Schöning for years, ran the studio Akustik uh, Kunst, um, the uh, sort of creative aspect. And this is a man who, who worked closely with John Cage and, you know, the legacy of Karl-Heinz Stockhausen, where. The uh, Center in Cologne was a creative hub and center for activity, and he had heard some of my work, and I approached him, and we developed a, a wonderful relationship, and so he commissioned me on a number of occasions to develop radio art pieces that were aired um, you know, across Germany and picked up by different stations in Berlin and Frankfurt. And one of them, I think, that we worked really hard on was a uh, broadcast, a live satellite uh, art piece from Antarctica, at Palmer station on the Antarctic Peninsula. And this was supported by the National Science Foundation Antarctic Artists and Writers Program. It was my second trip down to Antarctica. And the piece involved creating instruments like wind harps and uh, sort of sound installations, but also recording live from a penguin colony almost a kilometer away from my little studio in a laboratory at Palmer Station. So I just received tremendous support for this, and we were right at the edge of satellite connectivity using um, the technology that we had, and... It, it worked. It, it was high risk, but it came out really beautifully. And um, was innovative in the sense that it was done live using you know recordings um, that I had pre-recorded, but also a lot of live recordings, a hydrophone off uh, so here icebergs grinding and crunching against one another, a penguin colony, wind harps, and um, some narration that I derived from the writings of Ernest Shackleton, legendary Antarctic explorer, and we worked these all together. It was an hour-long broadcast on New Year's Day at 2000. So, and then Klaus Schoening commissioned me to do other pieces as well, uh, so related to the natural soundscape and how music intersects with that. So it really helped, helped me, you know, from a professional way, to think about radio as a creative medium. I mean, it's always creative. People are creating stories, but really as a an artistic uh, platform to engage listeners, you know, live or pre-recorded. And, you know, the live aspect was, was exciting uh, and almost equally terrifying. We're talking a few uh, sessions ago about live performance as opposed to just studio work, and this brought together a bit of both, all of the thrill and and uncertainty of a live performance, particularly with the technological aspects uh, being reckoned. So there's that, and you know maybe we can have just a little listen to um, uh, part of the satellite transmission that aired on West German radio on New Year's Day two thousand. Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? Out of whose womb came the ice, and the hoary frost of heaven, who hath gendered it? waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. The other person that I think was singularly influential for me is uh, René Farabé, who ran the um, Atelier de Création Radiophonique at uh, Radio France. And he commissioned me to do a couple of pieces as well around soundscape and my wildlife recording. And here too, it it was a creative endeavor, part documentary, part soundscape. And he was very, very thoughtful in his questioning and the conversations that we had. So I'd look at both of those two opportunities coming out of a very strong European tradition of radio as a far more expansive platform than just an information and news delivery service. And so I think, you know, the German tradition of Hirschspiel, there's just a wide variety of expression and possibilities. It's not that they don't exist in the U.S., they just don't exist in the same way and with the same premium placed on artistic expression. You have individual stations. When I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, there's uh, KPFA, the Pacifica radio station out there, which is legendary for experimental and innovative programming, and still is, and I did some work with them in the 90s, but their forays into more avant-garde thinking about soundscape and sound art really goes back to people like Charles R. McCannian in the, you know, 70s. So, There are pockets in the US where this exists. And I think, you know, but I really look to Europe as having been a huge part of my creative life, particularly in the 90s. I haven't done much recently with it, but I look at podcasting as the inheritor of that. You know, it's just now it's on demand as opposed to being live, or it can be both. But I think radio is anything but dead. And as a creative medium, my gosh, some of the best podcasts are some of the best stories and sound-rich storytelling that I've heard in a long time, it's almost come back full circle to the, the heyday of radio drama in the 1930s and 1940s. So I think it's an exciting time. It's just that the R word has been replaced by the P word.
0: So you mentioned soundscape. This is a particular genre. Uh, very interested, interesting that I discovered um, in your class. So you did some of the some soundscapes um, for a French radio station. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. Radio France. Yep.
0: Can we listen to yeah. some to an excerpt or
1: good? Okay, so yeah, we'll come back a little bit, and so this is just a, a little taste of a kind of protracted journey and foray into the forest. Basically, uh, the title of this was the 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 forest in the studio because we were talking a little bit about how uh, I take the soundscape material and weave them in as a as a retelling through studio processing <laughs> ah. This is um, just something for uh, for French radio that appeared on France Culture, right. so um, very specifically there. And then, so these are more long-form pieces. We were just having a little excerpt or a little taste. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, the luxury, frankly, of engaging people for an hour of just listening – and I think you have to make every second count as you do in short form production as well. So, yeah, so those are some examples of the longer form, uh, soundscape based. And I just want to take a moment. Soundscape is, is a concept in a word that was developed by the late composer, R. Murray Schaefer, who just passed away in mid August of 2021. But his, um, book, Soundscape, The Tuning of the World, has informed several generations of composers and sound artists, including me. So, just an acknowledgement that the word has not always existed. It came from a very specific time and place and, and energy, and uh, Murray Schafer's vision is far-reaching. So, we can listen to one other little short excerpt from A another piece, because I think one of the things about radio that excites me is that it's never one thing. So I've, I've had the privilege of being able to integrate my work as a composer and as a sound artist into different media and different contexts from museum exhibits to film to sort of fine art settings to natural history museums. And it's the same with radio. So this is an example of a shorter piece for national public radio in the U.S. that focused uh, very specifically on conservation efforts in New Zealand, Uh, a small island to the south of the South Island called Ulva Island. And it's a refuge and haven for indigenous birds. Because most of New Zealand, while it has some indigenous uh, wildlife, over the years, a lot of that has... um, really been, you know, damaged or many species have gone extinct because of introduced species like rats and cats and dogs and pigs. So, very much a threat to bird life. But there's this one tiny island called Alva Island where I had the opportunity to do some recording of a dawn chorus. So, let's have a listen to that because the sounds there are very unique and are very much a reflection of what what used to be New Zealand. So this is Alva Island. Okay, great so that's just a, a taste of something that's more like an audio postcard and the context for this isn't a deep listening hour long that you'd have a in you know, a radio France or video it's it comes at the end of the news hour uh, all things considered as a very popular news broadcast and this is a way to kind of take people out a little bit more gently with a Human interest piece at the end of the news after the, the report of a daily carnage and you know political and economic news. So I always look at, for different opportunities to c- help convey a an environmental message without it necessarily being preachy, but to open people up to that sensory experience of the natural world as a way of connecting people and having them reconnect with really their own backyard or wherever it is they're going, wherever they're listening. So these opportunities are really important for reaching a large public, but also telling a story that, that goes beyond the damage human beings are doing to just shining a light on the other voices you know, with whom we share the planet.
0: As I said, I discovered the, the kind of this, uh, this art of soundscapes through your class because that was the first assignment we had to do for the radio production class. I really love that assignment and I like to give that assignment to my students and their first reaction is always, what? Why? What are we supposed to what? No words? We're going to tell a story with no words? What is that, you know? So, um my question is kind of related to that reaction. What opportunities do you see for radio today considering that people are relying more and more on their vision? And considering that there is this new boost of podcasting where people just, you know, chat away about things, you know, everything and nothing, you know. So uh, how do you see this medium could be used or, or could distinguish itself from everything what's going on now in, you know, in, in, in entertainment and in, in, in the media today?
1: Boy, well, that's, a, that's a big question. That's a very big question. So I think for, for me, it comes back that that we're, we're storytellers by nature, our species, human beings. And this just provides another avenue for that expression. I think there are a couple of factors at work here, too. As you said, there's a lot out there. And quite frankly, most of it's garbage. Um, you know, there are over half a million podcasts out there. And I'd say of that, 95 to 99% of them are not worth the time to listen to. However, those that are can be absolutely stunningly beautiful, creative, imaginative, informative. So I don't dismiss everything out there, but there's just almost too much, and it's hard to know, you know where where to begin. And I th- I think the beauty of that is that you can find the stuff you're interested in you know, but you're subscribing to something like Stitcher or, or something that acts as a feed for your favorite types of programming. So I think it's liberating that not everything now comes through radio stations and the sort of power that they held in past times that really anyone can create a podcast. And it's up to the marketplace and up to your determination to figure out if it's going to have traction and reach people or not, or, you know, And so, for me, I think it's a wonderful creative platform and a lot of people are getting into this. Younger generation are kind of rediscovering the joys of sound-rich storytelling and different ways of constructing a narrative based on the fact that it's on demand. You can do a series, you can do a one-off. You know, it's such a flexible medium at this point but it still relies on those core values that old-school radio uh, placed an emphasis on, which is really listening carefully to how you construct a good story from a narrative perspective, but also exploiting, in the best sense of the medium, opportunities for sound design with ambiences, sound effects, music, that all of these things can work together together, you know, with the same richness and complexity of a film soundtrack, really. So I think it's an exciting time. And for for those younger people coming up and into the media, my gosh, what great opportunities exist. And there's some real, real talent out there. So my encouragement to all these listeners is find, find what you like because there's no shortage. It's just... Uh, Often finding that needle or a piece of gold in the haystack, because there's just a lot of noise out there, uh, just people babbling on, you know, because they need the attention. Um, but those who have something to say, what a great opportunity.
0: Mm. But the question is still… For me, why should we stay on radio waves, you know, because the internet provided us with opportunities to just tune in and listen to, to those wonderful stories uh, online. Do we still need the radio waves? Do we still need to uh, switch on our, as you say, transistor or <laughs> or our radio in the car and listen to something uh, that is created for that particular way of communication, you know? Do, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think it's an interesting question, you know, with its technological advances and development, you know, streaming and on-demand, you know, are becoming increasingly dominant, which is great because you have that flexibility, but I don't think that the live broadcast is going to disappear anytime soon. If you look at these statistics, and I don't have them in my head at the moment, but more people listen to radio, old-school radio. Then you think. Not everybody has high-speed broadband internet connection. When you think globally and go beyond um, Europe or North America or Asia, when you stretch across the globe to rural communities, you know, people sometimes have hang-cranked generated radios that they can still pick up signals from, you know, broadcast centers around the world. So I don't think it's going to disappear overnight, and I think that there's going to be value. They'll just overlap with the on-demand world th- that the Internet is bringing in the streaming world. And as more and more of the globe gets connected, it may there may come a time when it will supplant, you know, terrestrial radio over-the-air broadcast. But for the time being, I think there's a nice complementarity because... You know, you, you can listen with an old school receiver or, or listen in your car if you don't have a USB port to plug your phone in. To, to me, it, I think the important thing is that people will find a way to connect with each other regardless. And the technological platform shouldn't be confused with what lies at the core of it, which is we're storytellers by nature and will always find a way to connect with one another. And the technology is interesting and intriguing because it opens up possibilities. But um, to, to argue that, you know, radio is going to be dead because terrestrial broadcast is, you know, this Jurassic lingering dinosaur of a past age is kind of missing the point, really.
0: Yeah, I think listening to you, what really kind of came to my mind was was the fact that there are large communities that still rely on that terrestrial broadcast, you know, that, as you said, do not have internet or they don't even like listening to the internet or the data is too expensive. I mean, the world is, is, is huge and uh, there are different kinds of economic situations there. But I think what a great opportunity for creators to use then radio as, as a way to connect to those communities. You know, that uh, that do not have any maybe other way of listening to artistic, um, interesting, rich audio storytelling, but the terrestrial broadcast. So I think it's a great opportunity to kind of serve those communities and, and work for them and with them.
1: I totally agree. I, I think, um, you know, it's just a, another avenue. It's the legacy avenue, if you will, at this point. But it's it's far from dead. I mean, it, eventually it'll pass, you know, just as when radio came into being, it was this new medium, you know, 100 years ago, uh, really when it took off on a viable level to reach masses of people in the 20s and 30s. You know, that uh, think of Vincent Benet's uh, description of the, the theater of the mind that, that radio brought to people. And I I think there's still plenty of opportunities and we shouldn't get caught up on the technological aspects of it, but concentrate on the content. What is it we're saying since we have these tools?
0: I really like this metaphor of the theater of the mind, you know, audio storytelling as a theater that you create in your mind um, while listening to the audio you know stories. And uh, there's a big rise in audio drama or audio detective stories uh, nowadays where people tell, you know, all those stories of suspense through sound, you know, and you only listen to those. You do not watch it, you know, on the screen. So the question is uh, to you, if you were commissioned, if you were given money by a, a radio station um, for a new piece, what would it be? Uh, did you have you thought about it?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it depends what someone asks me to do. Uh, you know, usually the invitations that I get are from people who have an idea of where, where my passions lie and expertise lie. And a lot of that has to do with the the reckoning of the natural world of which we're very much a part. So, and the sort of origins of musical consciousness in the soundscape around us, that we're not the only ones who make sounds on the planet. So the works that I mostly get commissioned to do tend to focus on that area. Occasionally someone will ask me to do something different, but that's really it. So I tend to kind of respond to, you know, commissions. Sometimes they're very open-ended. What would you like to do? And it's like, well, how about this idea? How about this idea? And that's how the, um, the year 2000 in Antarctica came, is that I had done some work with Klaus Schoening in the past, and he had produced a couple of pieces, and we were just shooting ideas around one day, and I said, you know what I'd really love to do? would be It's high risk, but is to, to try and do a live sound art piece from Antarctica. And he thought for a couple of seconds, he said, "Wow, let's do it!" And figure out a way to make it happen. So I think, if, for me, I'm always kind of open, and you know, for things that both interest me and I find value in sharing with people. Um, so you know, I, I'm probably not someone you would approach to create a murder mystery online. You know, it's just not my cup of tea. I enjoy that stuff. Um, but it's, you know, so I think I have certain areas of focus. I also, again, think in terms, uh, sonically, so much as of my life has been informed by music. So when I approach some of these creative projects online and think of sound art as something that can be delivered through the medium of radio or podcast, I come at it from more of a musical background than I do a journalistic background. So that informs a lot of the experience I'm trying to create for people, that it it's informed by music, and for some it may be music, but it, it it's about that edge. What is music? And how do we perceive the world around us? So Yeah, that's sort of a a kind of circuitous answer to your question. But um, I, I think we tend to seek each other out, people who are interested in commissioning me, and the kind of work that I'm interested in exploring and sharing with people.
0: That's it. I think that's, that's our, you know, two pence as far as um, radio is concerned as a medium. And, um, but that's not it. You know, you, you might think, oh, you know, you know, we probably have covered everything there is to cover, you know, in terms of working with sound and audio storytelling and audio art. But that is not it uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, we have uh, something else to cover um, a new kind of area or another different area of sound design and sound art and we'll do that next week and let it be a surprise